In the days and weeks and months since the Hamas terror attacks of October 7th, despite the pain and trauma still being experienced by the people of Israel, I've also witnessed moments of true inspiration, of healing, of fellowship. One of these inspiring experiences happened this past November when a group of cowboys came to the Holy Land. Yes, cowboys, Christian cowboys from America. These cowboys from Montana and Arkansas traveled with me to visit survivors of the horrific attacks on Kibbutz Nachal Oz. There, together, we delivered food to these people who've been displaced from their homes near the Gaza border. We played with the children who'd witnessed things no child should ever witness, and we heard the stories of those who had survived the attacks of October 7th. But why, you might wonder, were Christian cowboys from America here in the Holy Land, especially during war? Well, these cowboys were in Israel helping with farm work in Judea and Samaria. The farm that they were working on is a very, very special place called Hayovel. And today, I've invited a very special guest to the podcast. Tommy Waller is a Christian from America himself, as well as a farmer. But for nearly two decades, he has also lived here in Israel, where he runs Hayovel. Hayovel has, like the fellowship, a mission of building bridges between people of faith. It brings Christians to Israel, just like those cowboys, to not only tour Israel, but to experience and help Israel. I'll let Tommy explain more. So without further ado, I welcome Tommy Waller. Welcome, Tommy. Welcome to my podcast. Well, I'm so glad to be here, Yael. This is wonderful. I'm uh, very honored that you invited me. I want as many people as possible to hear about the incredible work that you do here in Israel and that you've been doing for so long. So can we start off by just um, giving me an overview of what is Hayovel and where is Hayovel? Okay, well, first of all, Hayovel is located uh, here on the Mount of Blessing, Mount Gerizim, um, the area where Abraham came and uh, left his father's house, Genesis 14, in, in Shechem. I have a hard time, uh, honestly, Yael, trying to tell people because it really wasn't me. Something happened along the path that God had us on that led us here. And I don't know that there would would have been any other place in the world, in Israel specifically, that we could have done what we have done without <clears throat> the embrace of the community here in Harbor Acha. These are uh, Jews here that are really protecting the family cemetery. Joseph is buried here. Uh, this is the obviously the place where Joseph said, bury me in the land of Israel. And yeah. we believe this is Israel. So how we got here is <laughs> very interesting. So I started uh, right out of college, uh, got married uh, to my beautiful wife, uh, Sherry. I went to work for a company, FedEx, stayed with FedEx for about 13 years. This was in the 90s, so right before Y2K, when y the rumors of Y2K came. I had grown up on a farm. As growing up on a farm, I loved being in a farm. And I thought as a child that I don't want to do farming forever. I want to go into the corporate world and I want to do this. But I found myself in that world and just kind of longing for the land again. And uh, so Y2K came what an opportunity. Most people were like, this is the end of the world. I'm going, no, we're going to jump. We're going to go buy. <laughs> we're going to sell everything we had. <laughs> we bought property within, in the middle of it, right in the middle of an Amish community. So here we are, 11, 11 children living in an Amish farm, uh, completely debt-free, 
my children still can refer to this as the uh, the storybook chapter of their lives. And we did not think that we would ever probably leave this. This was such a good thing. I was, you know, home. Uh, we were working as a family together. So much ministry to other people that were hurting family-wise. We were working out of Nashville. A lot of our customers that were buying our, our produce were music industry people. They would come and just sit with us. Uh, many of them, uh, as you probably know, the in the music industry is, is not uh, favorable to families. And and they would just come and, and we just ministered. About uh, six years into this storybook, I ended up getting having an opportunity to go to Israel with some guys that were doing business. I and I, I said, sure, I'd love to love to hang out. Little did I know that this was this trip was for me, you know, like wow. uh, somebody had heard uh, that I was uh, a farming, you know, and obviously I still had that kind of Amish look about me. I met a man here that said, hey, you know, I have a friend that I met just a, you know, a couple of months ago uh, by chance that has a vineyard in uh, in Samaria and uh, on Mount Gerizim, you know, would you like to go and visit it? Sure. You know, yes. You thought you were just going to stop and see something beautiful. You didn't realize that yeah, this would no, change the whole tour. trajectory of your life. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on tour. I'm on a, I'm a tourist visiting the Holy Land for the first time. And uh, I had never met, yeah, you know, this is hard to believe, but in the middle, in Tennessee, rural Tennessee, outside of Nashville, there's, there's nothing hard, there's hardly any, especially, you know, 20 years ago, there, <clears throat> there was not that many Jews living in Nashville. There's still yeah. today not a big population of Jews living in Nashville, especially religious Jews. Yeah. And I had never encountered, I had worked with with Jewish people, secular Jews in, uh, in in FedEx, but never, never, ever had a conversation with a religious Jew ever. And here I was in the in this vineyard, and this religious Jew with all his garb, with all his you know, with all the trappings of a religious Jew, <clears throat> began to read to me from Jeremiah thirty. Wow! And, uh, and he told me, as Jeremiah was telling was dreaming, was seeing a vision that there would one day be vineyards planted on the mountains of Samaria. And all of a sudden I realized that, you know, God was outside of my box. Uh, God was still uh, moving. Hmm. And it wasn't in my building anymore. It wasn't in the church building that I was, I was going to. He was here. He was actively moving in the state of Israel. And I'm telling you, my knees almost buckled. I'm like, he was oh. speaking to you in the yes. Holy Land. Yes. I'm almost emotional talking about it, but, but he said it. I, the only thing I could respond to him was, do you need help? And wow. honestly, I wasn't thinking about Jewish Christian relationships. Mm. You say that's what we're, that's what we're, it has become very much a part of that building, reconciling differences. But at that time, the only thing I was thinking about was <clears throat> I want to be a part of this. Yeah. You know, I want to be a part of what God's doing. My life changed in that one conversation and all I could think about was, how do I get back here? Uh, I tell people we were kind of like, uh, we became like the Beverly Hillbillies. We rode, hmm. loaded up the family and moved to the mountains of Samaria. And we began helping him. Uh, first of all, that's how it started. Uh, we began, uh, uh, we, we later on realized that, you know, there was a lot of farmers that needed help. And uh, <clears throat> we began to love them and to see their, uh, their faith, their zeal, you know, for, for God. Uh, not in the way that the media presents them, but but in a way that we began to love them 
uh, very much. And we and we understood that, you know what, we we need that kind of zeal. We need to love the word of God like like they were loving the word of God and understanding it's that's touchable reality. That's how it all started. And and uh, from there, it just took off. You know, we we um, we've had our ups and downs as Israel has had its ups and downs. We were here on the Intifada yeah. uh, at the end of the Intifada in 2004. That's when I came here. And we experienced even just right here below. We were right in, right uh, in the middle of entrance to Nablus and to Shechem, a uh, suicide bomber that had uh, two bombs on his on his back. This was a a fourteen uh, year old. Uh, the IDF had caught uh, him and was able to get the the bombs off the back, but then. As I was standing with the Jewish people on the side of the road, we were all kind of, you know, back. They told us, you know, we're, we're driving in. They told us to pull over Sherry and I both. This is Sherry's first trip, 2005, wow. uh, the beginning of 2005. And all of a sudden we're standing with the Jewish people. They're asking me. Now, I, this is my first time actually talking to a lot of these guys. And they're saying, yeah. what, what are you doing here? You know, and I just said, you know what, that's a good question. I'm sitting here with the, you know, with this suicide bomber probably a hundred, uh, less than a hundred yards from me. All of a sudden the bomb exploded in a, um, in a, uh, you know, in a container, they had yeah. it detonated it. Uh, and it shook the, the whole ground. It felt like an earthquake. And all of a sudden we embraced the Jews and, and myself and my wife. Um, it was almost like this exclamation point. You know, I got you here for a reason. The Isaiah 40, passage where it says, you know, comfort uh, your people. It's just an example of so many examples that, that God has allowed us to be here. You mentioned the Cowboys. I still can't really explain what happened there. Uh, <laughs> that was one of the most amazing things. And it's just hearing your story, though, Tommy, there's a Hebrew verse of Sof the end result is the reflection of the first thought. And to see how your whole life that in some ways you even rejected ended up being a, a training for what you ended up giving to Israel and the Jewish people. And I can just imagine you standing there on your first trip to Israel and recognizing, which is something we've all experienced here in Israel. It's not just the God of the Bible. It's the God of today. It's not just the God who was speaking thousands of years ago, but it's the God who continues to speak to us on this land through the people today. And the fact that you heard that call, Tommy, is something that not everybody hears that whisper of God on their life. And even when they hear it, it doesn't necessarily move them to make those very hard decisions to pick up their life their wife, their children, everything they've known, just like uh, uh, in Abraham, leave the land of your forefathers, your language, your culture, your family, and go to the land that I will show you. Uh, the fact that you did that in order simply to stand with and help the Jewish people is something that is not a small deal. And I have to uh, take a second to stop and say on behalf of all the people of Israel, thank you. Well, you know what? As we say in Tennessee, back at you, because <laughs> I just feel like uh, the return in Ezekiel 36 really always kind of uh, inspired me. It was actually the the return of the Jewish people that God says that, you know, we will know, the nations will know God. So I'm very, I'm very thankful that where God's name is hallowed, when the, when the Jews, uh, you know, return to the land uh, that I promised them, then the nations will know. It's like God is really 
in that verse, it's not really about him and it's not really about the Jews. It's about, hey, you guys, you have something to do with the rest of the world. You know, let's get to it. I'm thankful that you and your family and the families here in Harper Kai and the communities here really walking out God's word. If, we, if that had not happened, you know, we would not be here. So thank you. Wow. Wow. Um, incredible. What it, what an honor. And it's, I think this is like, like you're talking about, this is what God envisioned when he said, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together. And I remember when my father, Rabbi Chiel Eckstein died, it was actually exactly five years ago. Um, people said to me, you know, when your father started this organization of the fellowship, he was the only one doing bridge building work. Now you have competition. And I looked at them like they were crazy. I said, I don't have competition there's enough room for everyone. The more there are Jewish and Christian uh, individuals who are focusing on what brings us together, on appreciating our differences, of standing in God's word, that we are God's children and we need to stand together, especially now in the face of darkness and evil. The more people who will join that mission, I believe is, is a testament to the success of my father's vision. Um, so the fact that there are so many leaders now who are dedicated both on the Jewish and Christian side to this bridge building work um, is something that's inspiring for me and gives so much hope for the future. Just just as it says, there is hope for the future, said the Lord, and your children will return to the land. And the fact that as a Christian, you are not only witnessing that, but helping that, supporting that is something that... Um, I know is strengthening both of our faith, both as Jews and as Christians, both as uh, Israelis and Americans. And you were here, Tommy, um, on October 7th, the same way uh, every single Israeli was. Could you tell us where were you on October 7th? What were your thoughts? And you mobilized very quickly in order to once again do what you could in order to help uh, uh, strengthen the people of Israel. Where were you on October 7th and how has your life changed ever since? You know, I woke up that morning. We had just, you know, celebrated the Simchat Torah with the Jewish people. I was sore. My wife could hardly get out of bed because we were <laughs> so crazy. I mean, we're that kind of strange Christians here. You know, we, we've embraced uh, our brothers here uh, on the mountain. So Saturday morning was just another morning, you know, to us until I saw one of our Jewish friends and he arrived here in a car. And I thought, yeah. this is strange. Yeah. You know, why is he in a car? You know, and he told us what was happening. And I, and I'm, I, I would say that most people in Israel felt it because we didn't hear the whole story in the beginning. Maybe there was a 50 or a few, but then it seemed like it was almost happening every day. We were hearing the numbers increase and when is this going to stop? Yeah. You know, yeah. it kept going. It just did not seem to stop. We were finding things and, you know, finding people. It just grew to something that we never, never thought could happen. In the processing of all of this, we realized that in Judea and Samaria, most of most of the communities here have have no fences. Uh, a lot of them small communities, and the farms that we work with certainly don't have fences. And we began asking them, 
are you ready for something like this? We thought we have got to find out, are we prepared? And we, what we found out that it was, that we, that we weren't prepared. We were prepared for maybe one or two infiltrations, you know, that we, that's normal here, but then we could, we stopped those primarily almost a hundred percent. Something like October 7th could much easier, easily be done here than it could be, than it would, than it did in the South and out of Gaza. So we began to uh, mobilize and, and start uh, raising money through Operation Itai, which is a, is a great story. It's kind of a, a Ruth story uh, where, where Itai is one of those guys that just wouldn't let David alone. He wasn't Jewish. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to follow you. We, we started Operation Itai and we began to raise uh, funds for specifically the front line uh, in in the communities, the security uh, forces that operate in the community outside of the IDF uh, control, and uh, that's that's what we've been doing, and uh, and we've had an amazing response. We've had, we've been able to bring a lot of supplies in to to equip uh, those on the front line, farmers that had nothing. We had one drone that we that we uh, distributed to one of the farmers, and he said that night that he got the drone he was able to use it and found someone trying to do some things to his to his family uh right near his house and when the sun goes down it's very it's dark obviously and it's very difficult to see uh so they need you know things like thermal vision and and night vision equipment stuff like that also very expensive as well as you know so this is uh this is what we're on right now and and this is what the cowboys were part of uh, but they were part of so much more. Last night I went to a, uh, you'll appreciate this. And I really want to tell a story about your dad too, concerning a winery uh, before we get off. I'd love but, that. <laughs> so last night we actually were at a, a an event to dedicate a winery that we built in Eskodesh, which is right outside of Shiloh. We were there last night. What a beautiful winery. Actually amazing Mennonites. Mennonites from Ohio, Holmes County, Ohio. Mennonite one of the largest Mennonite communities in, in the U.S. Uh, these, they're starting to get the Israel thing. These are servant-hearted people. The people, obviously, that we spent six years with, these are the people. And they're coming here, and they built a winery. It's just amazing. And uh, and they were crying and, and emotional and, you know, saying to me, Tommy, we're going to bring, we're going to have, our, from our, our county, we're going to have hundreds of people coming in, you know, every month to help uh, the Jewish people here. So it's a real turnaround of excitement uh, to be part of the story. They just want to be part of the story and they're seeing it through service, you know, through giving, through their feet and their hands and such a blessing. How incredible. So Tommy, I'm going to ask you one question and then I want to get to this exciting story with my father, which yes. I haven't heard, which I'm excited about. Yes. But when I hear you talking, it's something that's very different than the Christians who I speak to around the world. It's very different once you're here and you understand the situation in Israel in a unique way. I hear a lot of Christians who are challenged with what God is wanting from them, that on one hand, they're called to stand with Israel and the Jewish people, and on the other hand, they're called to love. And I don't think that many people understand the evil that Israel is facing right now of the intent to simply kill and destroy the nation of Israel. And I believe that that's what 
God is referring to when he says, Hashem sinura, lovers of the Lord despise evil. And of course, not everyone is evil, who uh, the Arabs who you live by, or even in, in, in Gaza. But as a Christian, it sounds like you saw on October 7th how it's not just a few terrorists, but it's a deep cultural hate and desire for Jewish blood, just like we saw in the Nazis or we saw in Amalek, or we've seen going back to the biblical time from the Jew from the time the Jewish people were 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 created as a nation, there have been this evil that has wanted to destroy us. As a right. Christian living in Israel right now, how do you how do you deal with that? How do you see that? What would you say to your Christian brothers and sisters around the world who are having this uh, this this crisis of what side do I stand with? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because we, even in Christianity, were most of us were were horrified in the you know as we hear the accounts of the Holocaust. Most of us said, if it were if we lived in 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 Germany, if we lived in Europe, we would fight against it. We would not be indifferent. We would fight. What I say to that is, here we are. Hmm. What are you doing? Uh, because indifference is unfortunately taking hold, you know, one more time. So I'm really calling the church and the pastors out to get behind their pulpits and say, have the courage, because this is a biblical story that's not stopped. Yeah. I want to tell Christians to stop, one, being indifferent and stop fueling these atrocities against the Jewish people, this this evil against the Jewish people, because you're not helping by saying that the the Arabs are justified. They're not justified. Even here, as I'm here, there are factories in Judea and Samaria built by Jews to give Arabs and Palestinians jobs. Uh, Arabs and Palestinians, uh, Jews and Palestinians that actually went to on vacation to get his pictures on the boards in these factories. Uh, thousands of Arabs being given, even in the even in the situation that we're in before October 7th, which is not good. Um, but this is my, what I would say to the Christian community. Let's, let's get back to the scripture. Let's get back to the Bible. Hold on to the word of God. There are promises in there that are, that God is not going to turn his back on. He's not going to make void. And we need to, we need to give that message. And it starts with us. It starts with us. Wow, it's so powerful, Tommy, because what you're saying is the promise of Genesis 12.3 is real. And the yes. truth is, if you could ever see that in action, it's in Israel, that if in Gaza, instead of investing yes. in terror infrastructure to destroy Israel, they would have invested in creating a beautiful beachfront resort town, you would have seen those blessings in the most tangible way, but instead they decided on investing in terror tunnels. So you see the opposite, destruction and death. It's uh, an honor to hear the testimony of your faith and how God has moved in your life. I would love to end with a story that I haven't heard yet uh, oh, yeah. that you wanted to share about my father. I had uh, admired your dad from a distance uh, for many years, and uh, I'd never actually got the chance to meet him. Uh, our friend, Shmuley Botek, uh, he's, he's a friend of mine and I did Shabbat dinner in, in his house in, uh, in New Jersey, uh, several times. And he had he actually come here. I'd actually brought him, brought him to, uh, to overlook at Joseph's tomb here, uh, a couple of times. He was having a, uh, a bar mitzvah for his son and 
invited me at the Psago Winery. And Psago is one of the wineries that we we help and we we help start actually. Wow. And uh, so your dad was there. And yeah. so Smoothly, you, you know, if anybody knows Smoothly, he's not shy. <laughs> and, uh, to say the so, least. Yeah, right. So he, he grabs me, Tommy grabs me, hugs me and everything. He goes, I got somebody I want you to meet. And uh, so he took me over to your dad uh, and he introduced and we were talking and, and conversing. And we uh, began to talk and we just connected right away. Yeah. told me let's get together uh we we you know let's let's meet even this week let's meet this week uh after that we went out to the uh you know when the celebration started i was you know not still not really comfortable you know just asserting myself into the circle of dancing and everything else i was sitting down inside your dad came over to me we just met he came over he grabs my hand pulls me into the circle <laughs> and we're dancing together in this circle and it was, I was like blown away. My wife was in tears and it was just a beautiful scene. And it was amazing time. And um, I left there. And then two days later, your dad passed away. And uh, uh, it was very hard for me. I didn't have obviously the history that you had as his daughter, but, but I had this experience and uh, it was, sorry, I'm getting emotional, but it was uh, such a blessing to me. And, uh, you know, I appreciate so much your dad um, wasn't afraid of me, wasn't ashamed of me, wasn't, he wanted just to embrace uh, me. And even though we had only met, you know, maybe 20 minutes before, he grabbed me and pulled me in a circle. Just a beautiful story for me. And uh, it's a beautiful memory. And I'll never forget it. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I think that definitely summarizes my father. He was uh, a man of his heart that he did what he believed was right. And, uh, and, uh, and he connected to people and he appreciated what you were doing. So it's not at all a surprise to me, but it's so perfectly sums up the life that he led and the values he appreciated and lived by unapologetically. Yeah. Tommy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the time that you've uh, took today to speak with me and for doing so much to help Israel for so many years, and especially now in her time of need, and for being forefront on building bridges, which are needed now more than ever, between Israel and the world, between Christians and Jews, between America and Israel, between people of faith. You are someone that I admire greatly and am honored to have you on my podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Yael. I'm a very, it's amazing what you did. You, you guys, your organization really laid a path for us to do what we're doing. So thank you. God bless you, my friend. God bless you. May we have good times together. Yes. Amen.